Hello and welcome to a special bonus edition of the UK Law Weekly podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the Coronavirus Act 2020, and with the crazy state of the world at the moment, and with the prospect of things not changing much in the near to immediate future, I thought it would be useful to try and do a quick guide to the recent Coronavirus Act that received royal assent last week. The reason for doing this, apart from avoiding the sheer boredom of being stuck at home, is that because of the changing nature of the emergency, the bill was passed rather rapidly. In most ways, that is a really good thing, because it means that the UK can respond rapidly to the situation. However, it does also mean that there isn't as much scrutiny from the public, the media, or indeed members of Parliament. That is what we will attempt to compensate for here so that you can get a practical grasp of what is going on as well as some insight into how the government responds in times of emergency. So let's try and at least follow the general structure of the Act and it begins with one of the areas that has seen a lot of press coverage, the need for more healthcare workers, medical practitioners and other people who will be needed to fight the virus on the front line. The legal quandary that this throws up is that while we need these extra pairs of hands, they do still need to be registered, and it's important that someone who has no qualifications whatsoever can't just turn up to be a nurse because it takes their fancy. That is what many of the schedules to the Act are seeking to accomplish, and to explain this further, let's take one specific example, social workers in England, which is contained in Schedule 5. Normally this area is governed by the Social Workers Regulations 2018, but the Act adds in new Regulation 12A that deals with temporary registration of social workers in times of emergency. Instead of trying to be ultra-specific about who can and cannot help out, the new regulation leaves the regulator with a lot of discretion that they can exercise. If a regulator decides that a person is fit, proper and suitably experienced, then that is good enough. While that doesn't tell us very much about who would be acting in this role, it does give the regulator a lot of flexibility to respond to changing circumstances as things progress. If they need to be somewhat more lax with the requirements, then that option is now open. If something does go wrong and, for example, it is decided that an individual shouldn't be a social worker, then it is also quite easy for the temporary registration to be revoked. Clearly this isn't perfect and it does put a lot of pressure on regulators to get things right with little guidance, but they are the experts and I think that one of the keys to responding to this crisis from a governmental perspective is not to get in the way of those who do have relevant expertise and knowledge. One of the other concerns at the moment is around food supply chains and how these might be affected by the disruption caused by COVID-19. The UK is taking a less extreme approach to this issue compared to what is being demanded of the government from some sections of society. Under the new Act, the Secretary of State can require information about food supply chains to be passed on to them, with the aim being to keep a close eye on the situation. Others may have wanted the state to take a more proactive role in food distribution, but the Act deliberately does not go that far. Whether you think that politicians should take a more active role in the commercial sector to address supply chain issues, or even get food to those who are the most vulnerable, is quite a politically sensitive question, so there is no point in me starting an argument. But it is worth noting that if the government does end up needing to take a more active role further down the line, 
then at least they will now be armed with relevant information. One of the other important economic questions is how much support should be provided to businesses, and one of the simple ways in which the Coronavirus Act 2020 helps out is by covering an employer's liability in relation to statutory sick pay for those who are suffering with coronavirus. This seems to back up the support that has already been made available to employees who can claim statutory sick pay from day one if they are unable to work because of the coronavirus. Other measures include the power to make greater variations to national insurance contributions and to increase the availability of state aid to industry from £12 billion to an unlimited amount if it is coronavirus-related. For me, I think this, more than anything else, shows just how wide-sweeping this new legislation really is. By itself, the Act does not practically change a great deal, but it can be regarded as the government arming itself with a heavy artillery of powers so that it can react quickly and decisively across a number of aspects of society. For many, this will come as a relief. Think about renters who, under Schedule 29, now have to be given three months' notice prior to eviction rather than two months' notice. But we should also remain vigilant of our politicians as well. The fact that this will potentially last for two years should be of special concern, and we should always be wary of attempts to take away our freedoms and our liberty, even if it is important to do so. This latest act is one step, and it is undoubtedly a significant step, but it also shouldn't detract from the notable failures in the government's response. Once we are able to look back on this period with some perspective, any inquiry will have a lot to consider, and hopefully some recommendations about improving preparedness moving forward. Even at this stage, we have seen the struggles that have faced our healthcare service in terms of both the amount of testing that is available, and access to personal protective equipment for staff. On top of this, it might be some time before we realise the full effects of failing to shut down bars and pubs in a timely manner, or not entering lockdown before a sunny weekend where people want to go out and socialise. These will be questions to be answered further down the line, but for now we have to hope that the Coronavirus Act 2020 enables the government to act in a more effective manner from now on. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this special bonus podcast of the UK Law Weekly Podcast. If this is the first time you are listening, then uh, do make sure to subscribe. We cover Supreme Court cases each and every week, so um, that's always useful information and we try and keep it simple for um, whether you're a law student or a practicing lawyer. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow, hopefully, on the Monday. Um, But for now, bye!